listening to the Astral Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. Today I'm joined with Gary Coppola. At a young age, he became interested in martial arts, which led him to pursue studying Taoism, Eastern philosophy, and culture. This evolved into a lifelong pursuit of a variety of metaphysical practices, which he accredits to helping him overcome drug addiction and alcoholism. He has spent the past 25 years immersed in yoga, tai chi, qigong, as well as practicing reiki, tarot, and I Ching divination. Welcome to the show. Hi, good to be here. Good to have you. Nice to meet you in person. Um, so for those who don't know you, could you share a little background on yourself and your spiritual journey? Um, sure. I um, got involved in martial arts at a young age, maybe 12 or so. And this was like the late 70s. So the, Bruce Lee was real popular, that kind of thing. And I apparently I grew up in kind of like a rough area in New Jersey. I didn't realize it at the time, but <laughs> as an adult, I learned it <laughs> yeah. wasn't the nicest neighborhood, I guess. But, um, and so on and off, all through my teens and um, even into my 20s, I would practice a different type of martial art, maybe lose interest in a couple of years as a kid would, but kind of always kept the philosophical background with it and um, never completely got away from it. Maybe just got disgruntled or bored or pursued a different interest. And um, my late teens, early 20s, I, I was a heroin addict. Mm. And um, eventually I, I got to the point where I had enough and I was on methadone for a couple of years and cleaned up and all that. And so kind of, uh, but even... In that kind of culture, I, I always maintained a certain mindset and spiritual connection. Um, like even when I was on drugs, I would still eat a reasonably healthy diet. Like, mm-hmm. like, like that kind of thing would still get a lot of exercise, at least if nothing else from, you know, walking or that sort of thing. So, uh, um and then as I got older, I, I got more into, um, I, I'd always been into working out in one way or another. So, uh, that kind of led to different things. My, uh, interest in physical culture kind of, I, I was briefly like a personal trainer in the late nineties. I didn't really like the commercial gym atmosphere kind of thing, but it did lead me to yoga and I remember I was a personal trainer and I think I got a yoga videotape as a education thing and realized, wow, I don't really know anything. And so I really immersed myself in the yoga and um, that kind of led to the introspection and meditation that goes with that. And um, so I've consistently practiced since the late 90s. I... Way back, like 20 years ago, I would occasionally fill in for a yoga teacher, like when she was out of town, that sort of thing. And in the past year or so, I've been offering a, a weekly class and um, 
kind of like an unconventional approach or a little different than you know, traditional. Like I, I've practiced Ashtanga um, and Asura, which is kind of like a Yanger, but sort of modified. And, um, but a lot of like what I do now um, is not such an intense or all or nothing kind of thing. I, a lot of times classes are somewhat extremist or, um, my, my class, it's at, um, Enchanted Blessings, a metaphysical shop. And, and a lot of the people that attend my class are actually intimidated by a yoga studio atmosphere. People have actually said they called up and had no idea what was talking about and were afraid to go or figure they'd be out of place or self-conscious. So it's kind of like very friendly for the uninitiated mm-hmm. and, um, I find myself like in a class all um, because I've been practicing so long and I, and I know you practice yoga and uh, that sort of thing, but I'll um, it's like a fine line between giving too much info or not enough or something that you don't want to miss explaining something like something that's second nature. Cause you've done it so long, like with alignment or hand or foot placement, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So that, um, I, I always just put it out there to the students. Let me know if I'm confusing you or not telling you enough. But right, right. Yeah, that seems to. Uh, but it seems to go well and be receptive. And then, um, you know, like I was saying, I dabbled in the martial arts on and off, and maybe. Um, in fact, I actually met my late wife patty through my martial arts practice because her friend owned the place where i would work out and uh introduced us and and all that but um maybe the past 20 years i've been consistently immersed in tai chi Mm. and um that's just very yeah i mean i can just go on forever about the benefits of uh of uh tai chi training and just the awareness that goes with it and i um train at Walam Kung Fu in Knoxville and it's very traditional. So it's actually practiced as a martial art, not just as a therapeutic exercise. And there's nothing wrong with that. And many people, that's their main reason for practicing, but there are, it is a actual functional, practical martial art, just very difficult to learn. Like people see the slow motion stuff and that's balanced, but it's applied. It's very fast. It's actually like, like wrestling really mm-hmm. okay so we've talked a little bit about your um like the martial arts and stuff could you share a little bit about some of the various styles of divination that you work with yes yes i um i i offer tarot readings i've been doing that for quite a few years kind of uh mainly for myself and friends and then i was hanging out with people I knew I think it was at like a new moon drum circle and people had decks and we were just reading for each other and my friend overheard and was just like so impressed and was like oh you got to come to festivals with me or read in my shop and and just kind of went with it like that and it's just something I naturally take to I, I um like like I had mentioned um I'm heavily into human design and my human design profile, a two, four manifesting generator. The two, four thing is you tend to have natural skills or gifts that you don't even realize until someone else points them out to you. 
or to me in my case <laughs> and and that's kind of um kind of how that is and i um i i've been consulting the I Ching for probably close to 30 years just uh usually every full moon and new moon i would read for myself it's like you toss three coins mm -hmm. and they come up in a specific configuration and that builds each line of the hexagram and then reading that and interpreting that and and the different translations mm -hmm. some are harder to follow than others it's very it's very difficult to translate chinese so right. um and then their their cultures coming into play too so the way they're saying things you know yeah the first time i did this it is auspicious too you know and i'm like okay i'm gonna have to really meditate on the picture <laughs> that that just created <laughs> yeah yeah that that's the thing like when i do readings for people like, like um you know with the I Ching, you're consulting a book but it's not just reading it because like you said it's so esoteric and poetic and metaphorically configure that you really kind of have to point out what that means right but it is like yeah i i've used it a few times with the pennies um mm -hmm. with the coins and um i actually got a little spooked because it predicted my father's death um very accurately and it said three will go on a journey two will return mm. and we all three drove that day and the two only two of us came back and I was just like, this is really literal. <laughs> like, this was like, you know, because you don't know how it's going to play out sometimes. But uh, it was so accurate that I only consulted if I'm really, like, ready for the answer <laughs> that it's going to give me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and you'll see that, or I'll see that sometimes... Like I said, I do like every new moon and full mm -hmm. moon, and sometimes you'll get the same thing three times right. in a row. And the chances of that, I'm, there's like 64 possible combinations right. and the variables. And then you also get changing lines where it'll change something else, which has a meaning of the line itself. Mm -hmm. And then also will carry over into a different hexagram. So there's that to consider. So it's not cut and dry yes or no like you don't even ask a yes or no question like certain forms of divination right. you do like a pendulum mm -hmm. um and an interesting side note i don't get responses from a pendulum and i know other people who say that too it's like it just doesn't i don't get anything and, and I, I know several people who say that or who have limited things which it's just me or my energy or maybe the maybe groundedness. It's just not right. Your, your style of divination, like, because you do the tarot. It's funny, my husband is really good at the pendulum. I don't use it as much, but every now and then I'll be like, will you go ask your pendulum this? Because <laughs> I really, like, it works wonderful for him. It's just like we have these specific tools that we really connect with and it's like our thing and then some people are really great at this other thing but um i've heard other people that aren't you know the pendulum's just not yes for them you know but right i know some people like that and then i know what like, like i know a tarot reader who lays out the card and selects them with the pendulum like when she ah. reads for others which is very impressive and mm -hmm. and i'm not yeah you know, like you said different things work for different people and granted it's nothing i pursued extensively it's like eh, i'm not getting anything and i right, move on it's like yeah. but but it's just uh i just found that it, like interesting and i know other people same thing and mm -hmm. um but yeah with the I Ching, it's uh, and that's the thing too with the different depending on the translation you have some 
are incredibly long-winded and over-involved where I, I have one I like or a couple of uh, different books that I like, but, but it is, uh, it, it, but yeah, it can be almost unnerving or <laughs> yeah, yeah w- without being obsessed with it. I mean, you still live your life. You don't like change everything because a card came up. It's just right. something to be aware of. But, uh, and, and that's the thing I experienced too. I, I, some people that I'll read for, don't really get it. Like I literally had a lady ask me, but well, but when am I going to die? And I'm like, well, uh, that's not what I'm here. I'm just telling you what the energy's like now. It's, uh, I'm not. Right. Like even with my, you know, father's death, it didn't say he was going to die. No, no. So right. I, I actually pulled a tarot card too. And it was the, um, I think it's the ace of coins where it's the hands with the money yes. thing. And I was like, oh no, like I'm broke. This is not a good sign if I'm getting somebody handing me money from heaven here. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I kept trying to be like, no, you know, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. But it, you know, what, but it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't come off like I've never drawn the death card and had someone die. You know no, what I mean? It's like, no. it, it was a weird way of uh, explaining it, but I just... I kind of knew that it was just like it had to happen that day. And it wasn't like the cards are telling me this. But, you know, it's like this is in the stars. Yeah. Um, and the cards are reflecting that, you know. Right, but it, yes. It's not like saying, oh, someone's going to die today. You know, it's just. But because I had those cards, I was a little more mindful with those last moments and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Because I was like, well, there is that that weird feeling I got uh, from how positive that card seemed. Um, but it ended up manifesting differently. So I think some of the cards people are scared of yes. are actually not as scary as some of the, you know, some of the other cards, but, um, like the tower and everyone's yeah, like, I, I was just going to say that everybody's <laughs> terrified of the tower, but it's not necessarily bad. It's, uh, I usually see it as a, a call to take immediate action. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not necessarily bad or good, but it's like. You know, the towers hit by lightning. You have to jump now. You don't sleep on it. You can't think about it. It's, right. But you have to respond or react. But, yeah, certain things, like, like death card is is transformation. There's a, lot, there's a lot you can read into it. It's not just the um, eminent doom. It's, right. you know, there's the white rose. It's, it's all that. But, um, yeah, sometimes it's... You got to be it's careful alarming. sometimes too. Like sometimes, if someone's not in the best place mentally, it's not really um, a good time for a reading. Sometimes. Right. Oh, oh yeah, I'm very mindful of like if I'm already like paranoid or something. I don't. I don't touch yeah. the tarot cards if I'm yeah. It's a different kind of a. I've. It's like a reverence, and I. I do hold them to like this. They're powerful, and they're giving me an answer. But I don't work with them all the time. Yeah, I kind of prefer my little oracle cards (laughs) because um, I like the positive affirmations and like something that gives me hope. And like, I don't want my mind to go off onto some extreme thing. But I've never had a tarot reading that that didn't completely line up with as far as the synchronicities and the events that happened afterwards. I mean, it's. Yeah. 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 It's almost amazing too. like from doing like a lot of readings, how it usually really does like, like resonate to someone to the point where it's like, like it, it consistently amazes me, even though it's something I do all the time, it just, just the way um, things just tend to tend to be what people really do need to hear or where they're at, that kind of thing. 
Right. It's, it's kind of cool because this is all up, you know, you don't know, you're just doing it right then and there. And it's like, you're just reading what the universe is sending you in that way. It's like, you're responding. You're not creating it. No, no. So it's almost like sometimes I don't, you know, want to go there because I do some Oracle pulls for people yeah. and I'll be like, oh, I don't know if they, but I'm like, if it's, if I pulled this and they need to hear it, even if I don't want to, if I don't want to tell them, you know, what this card represents, it's not up to me to, you know, sugarcoat certain things. I might be like, okay, don't be afraid. Yeah. But like, be mindful of like hidden enemies, you know, because that's what the card is saying. So, right. Yeah. Uh, but they're always like really grateful. And like, even though in my mind, I'm like, oh, I wish I could turn that around. <laughs> yeah. I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but, and I don't know who this is, but right. yeah. But it it's important because yeah. now they can be mindful going forward mm. and sort of like maybe be protected or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I always make it a point to tell the person not like when they set their intention or ask their question not to tell me. I don't want to know anything going in just so I'm not subconsciously influenced to sugarcoat it, even if Mm -hmm. I don't mean to just to, you know, try and console them. It's just like, this is what it is. We can talk about it when we're done. You can tell me anything. I'll discuss it in great detail. Like every time I do a reading, I always make it a point to give the person my contact info. And it's like, you can call me next week when you wake up and say, oh no, what about this? I didn't think of it. I'll elaborate, you know, take a picture of the spread, send it to me because I'm not going to remember. But right. I definitely follow up on that kind of thing. Right. So are you doing like past, present, future kind of readings or do you, what kind of, what's your setup like? Yeah. I, I don't really use a traditional layout. Um, Generally, like if I do a full, I'll do like a full 13 card spread Mm. and I pull the one card, that's usually the center card that sets the tone for the whole reading. And then I kind of go in like a cross pattern and then cross that to fill in like nine cards. And I'll also use a a Leonardman deck. We're Mm -hmm. talking about mispronouncing. There's like five ways to say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, but, um, and I'll do like four more cards with that. And the Lennerman style deck really resonated with me. I didn't even know what it was when I bought one way back. And it's like, yeah, this is just cool. I can kind of get that. It's got like the little pictures of the regular playing card mm-hmm. on each one and, and some kind of artwork. And the pictures are all consistent with the numbers, but there's different theme decks. And I right. especially like a La Santa Muerte Mayan death goddess kind of deck that I just saw on the artwork is just really cool. And um, so I'll do four cards and they'll build on, you know, and, and like one builds on the other, that mm-hmm. kind of thing and, and, and all that. And I do read in reverse, like some people don't, which there's not not right or wrong it's just how how you take it right i mean if you're interpreting it that way then yeah you'll still get the message however yeah and and with the reversals certain cards don't seem to change for me reversed and certain ones do you know most of them do but certain ones i kind of get the same thing from aces or certain Mm -hmm. things especially if it's got a round thing like the world or the wheel well how do you reverse a wheel so right you know it's going to spin anyway but um So, yeah, I kind of pull it like that. And then, um, you know, I do a lot of festivals and events. So people often like a three-card spread and then I just pull the one and on each side. But I I, kind of just, whatever you need to know now and 
as it applies to you. So I, I don't designate a specific meaning. Right. Um, like they're able to understand. Yeah. And a lot of people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, um, and, and people just get creative. They'll do a new moon one and Mercury retrograde, which is totally cool. I mean, it's, it's just like my way of doing it. Sometimes like if I get a reading from someone and that's what they do. That's what I go with. So yeah, it's like right, right. Yeah, like, that's their language. That's their yeah. You, know, you trust the reader to yeah, right, right. Speak there, there's certain people, especially that um, um, I have a friend. I I actually like met her through like internet stuff when she lived in Washington State, and she's in Asheville now. And um, every now and then, if I if I was gonna like pick someone to read. And usually I like to have a reading from someone I, I don't know who doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. So there's no even subconscious influence. You don't even have any kind of an opinion, even if you don't want to. But, you know, with someone like that. But but generally I find that stranger thing is good. Like I always encourage people, like get your next reading from someone else. Just right. like just to, to see how it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't have that competitive thing. Like, like even like with... um beginning yoga students my advice is always experience as many teachers as possible see what resonates everybody's going to probably have something to say or helpful and as long as it's not something completely reckless or dangerous but yeah uh, yeah yeah. that you're not ready for it's like don't (laughs) yeah but uh, I, i think it is important to have different interpretations like even with astrology i encourage you know i use whole house but i encourage people you know go ahead and have a placidus you know, reading as well, or, you know, focus on the natal, but maybe, you know, look at your, you know, solar return or what, like, it just depends on where you're at in your life. Like, and as an astrologer, I still have readings from other astrologers sometimes because it gives me a fresh way of viewing it. So my last reading was through a Placidus lens and he had all sorts of good, insightful things. And it was looking at my chart slightly different. And I don't think, oh, this is wrong. Yeah. And I've had a Vedic reading. And, uh, you know, my son's, you know, in Pisces in Vedic. And I'm like, oh, I could totally see this. So I think I imagine it sort of like when you look at someone and you take a light and you move it around them, they look totally different depending on where the light is hitting their face. And so as you go to these different readers and these different interpreters, they're actually looking at you. It's still you, but they see you from this different perspective. And I think it's important because sometimes we tend to look at ourselves straight on. And so then we're like, oh, I didn't notice that. But now that you say it, it makes sense. And it sort of opens us up to all sorts of new possibilities and not just be so concrete and this is who I am and this is how it is. And I love changing it up, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely helpful. Like you were saying with the different, because that was even a thing. I, I forget the specific type of astrology, but it did have to do with that, like with the procession of the equinoxes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. things aren't like they were. And like, like you said, you have a Pisces sun in that chart. And yeah, I, I was just briefly reading something about that, but that, that's definitely... Um, it's that different perspective or somebody does it somewhat differently. and Right, because they're speaking to you in the language that they've mastered it in. Yeah. And similar, so you might use a, a certain form of tarot, someone else might use. Each, it doesn't matter mm. because as long as you've mastered that language, the information will come to you in the way that needs to come out. And so it's so cool, though, how it's like it takes all these different forms 
but they they say similar things, you know, from but they're looking at different aspects. But I'm like, wow, it's so interesting that you see it. You see that aspect, but that sounds so much like this other aspect that you didn't focus on, but you still got the same message. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very interesting. So um, you were talking earlier, like how I Ching is connected to human design a little bit. Could you just lightly elaborate how it plays in? Yes. Yes. Like if you're familiar with the human design chart, each energy center has different numbers and each one of those numbers is related to an I Ching hexagram and a planet mm. so on the chart the human design chart on they're usually and different people put out different charts some don't have this but generally on each each side there's a column that will have a the glyph for a planet mm-hmm. um you know it's very similar to like the zodiac in order and then um uh, it'll have a number next to it, which is in human design, they call it a gate and it's a I Ching hexagram. Mm. And then there's a decimal point and the number after that decimal point is the line of the I Ching hexagram. Uh-huh. So, so like, for example, I'm a two, four manifesting generator. That means line two is most prevalent and I'm by no means an expert on human design. So I, but, but it's uh line two is most occurs the most. And then the four occurs second. Okay. And um, that, that's kind of how that is. And, and then another human design thing is if you're like a, a right angle or left angle. And again, I not an expert, but there's another uh, juxtaposition I think starts with a four, if I'm not mistaken. But the numbers, whether you're left or right angle, is mm-hmm. based on I Ching lines. Okay. So it's like a right angle. If you're one through three, it's a juxtaposition. If you're four and it's a left angle, if you're five and six, and I might have that backwards, but I don't think so. I just was like, we were talking about it last night in this group thing, but... So with my incarnation cross, it's right angle cross at the vessel of love. So the right is going to take it a different direction. Would that interpret different than left? Yes, I I really can't elaborate in detail, but it definitely does make a difference um, uh, with that. I'm just uh, learning, like I've been studying human design for a few months and Mm It's one of those things where everything you read, it's like, oh, that explains it. Yeah, I'm not crazy. It's right. this. It's okay. That That's why I do that. That's like uh, like an example, like opportunities occur through people I'm associated with based mm-hmm. on my type. And I do find that to be the case. Like when I get a, a job, I've met both my wives through mutual friends, mm-hmm. uh, like, like that kind of thing. So, uh, or the idea that maybe I have talents or gifts that come natural to me that I take for granted or don't think about and need someone to point out that, yeah, that's a thing. Everybody doesn't do that. You're special. You're gifted. Like, right. like even like, like I was saying that how long I've been doing things like yoga and, and even like, like energy healing, like, like I'm a certified Reiki practitioner, but I've been doing that kind of stuff, um, for like, like 20 years, just kind of like energy healing, 
whatever you want to call it, I didn't even have it a name. I guess it was based on old Taoist techniques that I read about and, um, you know, visualizing and transmuting energy. And I took a Reiki class kind of from my own knowledge. And it's like, wow, yeah, I've been, been doing this anyway. And then even from practicing with people, they're like, no, no, you got to start doing this for people. It's like, yeah, you, you really do. And I would have never even thought I, I was qualified, capable, if experienced practitioners haven't encouraged me and said, no, absolutely, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like the other person pointing it out it, like is a thing. It. Yeah. That's interesting, too, with you being Gemini Rising, because that is like the social butterfly kind of archetype. And it's like you go into the community and you have these experiences and you're sharing and they're sharing it back. So it's almost like lines up with that human design aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does. I, I, I do have a tendency to to be like that, to just like know everybody uh-huh. and to get along with people. Like I work at these festivals and I just go around and talk to everybody, make friends, it's know so many people you. from doing it where I, I don't even think if it's a thing and people are like, oh yeah, you know everybody. It's like, uh, I, I guess, yeah. It's really cool. My, my husband's a Gemini Rising too. He's just, it's like natural and I'm just over here like super awkward. Like I have a hard time and then i watch him and i have a lot of gemini rising friends and they're just so good at immersing themselves into the group and it's just like they know exactly what to say and you know they're just embraced and um so that's a really good thing for like having being in that community that you're in you know yeah really yeah it, it definitely helps and, and um and what you were saying it's like second nature you mm-hmm. don't even think you're doing anything or it's uh but, right. but but it, it is it's it's like a, a gift or a, a skill i guess whatever but it, it's like one of those things that just comes to you and and even with um astrology um same thing like, like there's a lot of things as i learn more about astrology and is maybe not all that long ago a few years back but the first time someone actually did my chart like I just knew the very basic stuff. I didn't even know what a rising sign was at this point, but I was doing a job for this lady and she was like, like close to 80 years old. And I would do like, like handyman work and stuff like that. I still do some of that too. And, um, I noticed all her books and was commenting and then we got to talking and while I was working, she asked my birth information and did my chart. And with an affirmus, I mean, she didn't know how to send a text message. Mm -hmm. And so like, she just looked this up in about five minutes and rattling all this off and wrote it all down for me Mm -hmm. with the little glyphs. And, um, but that was like my first experience. And as I delved into it, a lot of things in hindsight, explain things Like, like, for example, I have, um, all right, Uranus and, Pluto in Virgo in the fourth house and both were both planets were retrograde when I was born Mm. and looking that up uh, especially the Uranus thing I guess that chaotic yes like like, like, that's why it it mentioned you'd have a tendency to move a lot yes because the fourth house is home so so between 18 and 30 I probably had you know, age-wise 18 mm-hmm. 30 years old I probably had 
at least 13 different apartments Mm -hmm. that were all like, so it was almost like moving every year, sometimes more often than that. And and a full house full full of stuff. I had kids at a young age and was a single parent, like all through my twenties. So, uh, or basically a single parent, like my ex was in the picture, but it was like me 90% of the time with the kids. So it was like, I had a two bedroom apartment full of stuff, including all the stuff that goes with small children that I would move on a regular basis and it was normal to me and mm-hmm. and it, like changing jobs too I, I i'd been through like a lot of jobs when i was younger and that kind of thing and could you talk a little bit about the qigong and the tai chi and how these practices have supported you over time yes yes the um the awareness that comes with it the the body mechanics the movement the breath work like qi kong is very literally means energy work mm. and it's very similar to yoga like in my yoga classes i do a lot of qi kong exercises standing kind of deep breathing okay. uh, moving like coordinated movement with breath t- type of thing and very aware of your posture big and again that's a yogic thing too like the foot to ground contact and right. the body alignment and that's in Tai Chi and you're taking it with you because you're moving it at, through it. And, and it carries over into uh, everything, like your everyday life. Um, you walk in a certain way. Like, for example, your weight's 40% on one leg, 60 on the other. So you shift, like one leg's empty, one leg's full. That's the poetic Chinese thing, like in the I Ching uh, we were talking about earlier, but, but so you, you get that. So you're not recklessly plodding when you walk and falling onto the next foot. It's a controlled thing. Right. And, and over the years, like working on construction sites, that would actually save me from injury or accidents sometimes. Like you're on uneven, rough ground. So even though you're stepping into a hole, you feel it before you put your weight down and pull back instead of stepping in there and hurting yourself or that kind of thing. So more mindful just in every aspect of your life. Yeah. And that balance carries over. Yeah. yeah, You even cultivate an awareness of feeling the movement of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a two person Tai Chi exercise called push hands where people are two people are standing there and kind of like gently make contact with each other's like wrist and elbow Mm -hmm. and shift weight back and forth. So it's, you're not like forcibly pushing the other person over, but you're reading their energy and feeling it and kind of like trying to make them lose their balance by getting out of the way when they push, but it's very subtle and internal and, and developing that feeling, you'll feel things like I've had like heavy equipment that without thinking about, I got out of the way where it would have hit me if I didn't right. and things like that. So subtle energy, like you could feel it coming at you. Yeah, yeah. And it's that very introspective thing. Like I've dealt with the, and the um, breath work and the exercise mm-hmm. that goes with it. It's very similar to like yogic breathing, that kind of thing. Um um, and that's helped me over the years just deal with anxiety and depression and issues like that, like that, that awareness, um, mm-hmm. um, right. Like, like you're into uh, Kundalini, is yeah, that correct? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I have some experience with that. Um, 
I, I, I have friends that are um, Kundalini teachers, mm-hmm. and, and I was going through a kind of like a rough period. It was, uh, and, and like even through years of having the yogic and Tai Chi practice, I did go through many years of that where I would also drink excessively. Mm -hmm. I was like a functioning controlled alcoholic. So I would do what I had to do, but pretty much every dinner time at dinner time, I'd start drinking and, um, and I'd wake up in the morning and practice yoga and Chi Kung and like every day I was very consistent and controlled, but nevertheless, it wasn't a good place to be. And Mm -hmm. I was in like a stressful mental situation it was during the uh pandemic and my uh my my wife had passed away a year before that she had uh, uh, breast cancer and then the pandemic's there and so i'm isolated i'm not working i was really dealing with like really bad anxiety issues where i'd sleep like four hours and then couldn't lay down i'd have to get up i I couldn't even relax so i had to keep moving i i couldn't do a yogic posture laying on the floor because I felt like I was suffocating. I was okay doing standing exercises, walking. And then my friends that I hadn't seen in, um, well, my one friend, Kathy, I hadn't seen her in at least 10, 15 years and hadn't met her husband at the time, her new husband, well, relatively new, but they came to visit coincidentally from Florida. And we go way back in Jersey, like, like 30 years and used to be, um, you know, would party and drink and do drugs together and that kind of thing. And then years later, they're cleaned up and a Kundalini teacher and I come to visit. And that really introduced me to true like meditation, to a seated meditation practice uh, just by talking about it. And she's like, hey, you want to do a Kundalini session? So we did. And then we were talking and I was showing her the Chi Kung I did and, you know, Tai Chi and everything. And then... um she introduced me to the um, Kirtan Kriya. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, right, the Satan. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of like fixed my brain with the anxiety thing yeah. and, and led to a developing a seat at meditation. I sit every morning for give or take 20 minutes and uh, at least, uh, but. Um, just really uh uh that that's the meditation practice has been absolutely life-changing as far as like managing anxiety i don't overthink anymore i've always struggled with that overactive brain the anxiety disorder the bit of depression all that mm-hmm. yeah i found that mantras really help when mm-hmm. my mind starts to take off and you know, we're, we're not our thoughts. And I feel like these meditations like prove that. Yeah. So I replace those thoughts with, you know, a mantra that maybe one of my gurus or someone has given me for a specific thing. And, mm-hmm. and with Kundalini Yoga, there's so many specific, you know, like pretty much anything that you're dealing with, you could find a practice to balance that out. But it's, you're replacing those negative thoughts with the mantra. Yes. And it, it's almost like it, it tricks your mind to, to, to get off of that. And it replaces it with this really positive energy, or maybe it's a protective energy or whatever the intention is. And it just, it's like regulating you. And it's yes. to me more powerful than any of the other things that I have done in the breath work. I mean, it's just, it's clearing you, you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize beforehand that I was not taking like full breaths Mm. for like most of my life. I wasn't breathing properly and, you know, just very shallow breathing. And I feel like that can even cause 
anxiety sometimes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just being mindful, you don't even have to do the mantra. Just sitting and being mindful of the breath alone will bring you back into that tranquil, you know, place where you can like really see, okay, this is, this is who I really am. And this was, you know, the anxiety, it kind of came from the situation, but I'm not the situation. I am the being that's observing the situation. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it just, it, it's almost hard to be trapped in the mind when you're doing these practices because it's giving that thought somewhere to go. And now you're not hanging on to them anymore. So you're just in that true state. Um, so I, I love Satnam. I love chanting Satnam to get me back into this is this is my true self. This is this is who I really am. And I can only experience that when all the other stuff fades away, you know, and that truth is all that's left. So I'll just chant, like if I'm anxious, I'll just chant mm. it until I'm done. So, you mm. know, sometimes I go with my tree and chant Satnam to my tree friend. <laughs> and uh, I imagine that the tree is just, you know, alchemizing any of the physical sensations. And then Satnam, I chant it until there's literally, it's just me. Yeah. And there's nothing. So my mind is fully clear. And then the tree has alchemized any of the physical things. And uh so I feel like I've taken my kundalini practice and then like I, I kind of make it individual, you know, and do my own thing with it now. But um, it was life changing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of make stuff my own, too. Like, like I don't really do like a traditional right. kundalini practice. But even with, like, like you were saying, the mantras or the meditation, the type meditation I try, like kind of like observing your thoughts, watching them come and go, that, that never worked for me. I would always... Di didn't right. didn't register with my mind but but having something to focus on mm -hmm. a, a lot of what i do now is kind of like um either visualizing the energy coming like out of the earth through the mm -hmm. chakras mm -hmm. or and moving the energy through my body in a specific thing that, that that's common in like a, a, a popular uh Taoist meditation where you circulate the, and it's like following the chakras or mm -hmm. visualizing the uh, caduceus kind of coming through your body right. or, um, and connecting to the earth or seeing the energy like going through your feet and coming out of the other side of the earth and then mm -hmm. pulling back up. And, um, but yeah, it's definitely, um, and, and the tree thing's very cool. I, I, I always talk about the tree of life just about every tradition has some sort of a tree thing going on mm -hmm. you know they're everywhere of course but yeah but like a popular or common um Taoist or chi kung thing is you're standing and almost like you're hugging a tree and you're got the roots and mm -hmm. kind of see yourself like that but it's definitely um yeah just life-changing with the anxiety and, and and all that it's uh yeah, I, I highly recommend it to anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, I did a white tantra, and the guy that was partnered with me had just recovered from being a drug addict for like years and years. I mean, it was kind of interesting because I never met this guy, and he comes in, everyone's looking like gurus. He looks like a biker, you know. Mm -hmm. And but it was awesome. I was I really appreciated having him because we were both kind of newbies, but that was what he replaced it with. And so he would just do kundalini yoga and it changed his life. And like he never wanted, and I mean, he gave up cigarettes, he gave up alcohol, he gave up, you know, hard, hard drugs. And so it's, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to, you know, yeah. it, it can help anybody, you know, if you're open to it. Um, 
And it's, I don't know, I feel like it brings you to balance in all sorts of ways. And so I think so many of us are, you know, kind of seeking some kind of practice. But the cool thing is, is I feel like once you integrate it, it becomes your own. And then it you does, don't yeah. necessarily have to sit at the feet of a guru all the time. You know, you get that wisdom and you're like, okay, I have... I understand now. And then it's like you start making your own rituals and you know yeah. you understand, okay, like it is in the mind, you know, I can set intentions. I can, when I say this, I feel good or, you know, and you start making your own practices out of it all. But, um, you know, it's. Yeah, I definitely make things my own and. I think they're. Do it like that. Right. And, it's really powerful because it's coming from you. So similar, yeah. like you were saying before you learned Reiki, you were already kind of doing it. And I always encourage people, especially there's certain placements in, in people's charts where I'm like, you've got, you've got the power in your hands mm. <laughs> when you don't necessarily need to do Reiki because you've already. Yeah. Had it. Um, but I think it's cool if you're going to practice it, you know, to have like that certification to fall back on to say, yeah, yeah, the background, <laughs> it gives you credibility. Right. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, like I have that. I, I just recently, uh, like I said, I've been practicing yoga since the nineties right. and I recently did a certification thing mm-hmm. just to go somewhere, uh, credibility. Exactly. If you teach at a facility, the insurance can cover you. It's, yeah. but yeah, somebody, I forget what their discipline, but the teacher was like, yeah, certification basically means you paid for a class that comes with a certificate. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, not that there's anything wrong with it and certain things it's good to have. And I do have them and things, but it's still the person, the practitioner, what they're actually doing. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't have a yoga teacher training, but I feel comfortable creating my own sequences and, you know, I've been doing it for long enough now. I'm like, you know, I do like to go to classes sometimes, but I can't afford that. And I don't want to have to wake up at four in the morning to drive to Knoxville just to, you know, so at some point it's like, I have to trust that even without this training, I was still doing the training. I just didn't pay for the certificate, but that yeah. does, you know, but I don't teach others, of course. But. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with as long as they're getting something out of it and right. you're not misrepresenting yourself. It's like you were saying with going to Knoxville, I kind of maybe up until like last, this past January, I probably hadn't taken a yoga class in like 15 years mm-hmm. and I was just compelled to do so and had been taking various classes and they're beneficial. I enjoy it. But like, like you said, it's a traffic jam. It's getting up. You got to leave like an hour and a half before the class, the way traffic is. And, um, it got to the point where it was parking and, and and all that. It's right. I feel like once you get the alignment stuff down and you understand, okay, the sequencing, I need to do the left side and the right. And -hmm. at some point it's like, you need to trust that you can do it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's good to do the group energy thing. And you know, sometimes I really like to go to yoga class. I've got friends that teach it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to class today. It feels good, but I don't want to feel so dependent yeah. On that I have to go to a class or I won't be able to do it. So I think at some point I'm like, you know, had to start like leaving the nest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm like that. Like, like you feel you're, like you said, dependent or you have to make it your own and right. do it. And so, something I really enjoy and that's something I got into this past year is, um, I guess you would call it aerial yoga or trapeze oh, yeah. yoga. Yeah, I have a trapeze. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so cool. And and the way I came across it, I first saw, wanted to try it, but was intimidated by the idea of going to a class and even thought it would be like 
But what if it's too much and then I'll be in class and I'll force myself to do it even though I know better because I don't want to look right. like I can't. So I, I didn't do that. But, but, but I found someone that taught it privately and had a package deal. You get the trapeze and five private lessons and, and, and I, I have it in my living room now and do it all the time and absolutely love it. And yes, it is yeah. so much fun to add it in. Yeah. Yeah. It really is just, uh, uh, I mean, I love doing the inversions and, mm-hmm. and I, I have like the, um, you know, the, the inversion stool with the cutout for your head. So it's like doing a that's headstand. That's on my Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And hanging from the trapeze. And then at the Kung Fu school, they have the gravity uh, inversion table. Oh, yeah. yeah. So all, all, all that adds to it. And right. uh, and even um, I have hip issues. So using, you know, mild arthritis, nothing horrible, but enough to... Mm-hmm limit your lunges or deep stuff but kind of doing like warrior with the one leg propped up in the sling is nice yeah like that sort of thing so i absolutely love that yeah as i get older the props become more and more handy yeah and i'm less and less like my ego is now at a healthier place where I'm like i don't have to make it look a certain way because it, i'm hypermobile mm-hmm. so i can do it yeah what i have found is okay now my hips hurting for two weeks yeah right i I looked so good doing this pose but uh my friend who's a yoga teacher she's talking about the um is it ahimsa which is like do no harm Mm. and that extends even to your practice yeah if you are hurting yourself you're harming and that's actually not in alignment so just because you can doesn't mean you should and a lot of these really cool postures these people are you know spending years stretching themselves a certain way um but i think i was really pushing myself a little too far and i and mm-hmm. e- i still kind of do in these classes sometimes but now i'm like you know i'm gonna put the prop down there's no point you know yeah. i'm still getting the benefits right without it looking exact you know so i i share my practice a lot with people so that they can see oh it doesn't have to be you know the ashtanga yogis are really cool to yeah watch. oh yeah it's but, amazing yeah. to see what the body can do but I don't have any desire to do that. And I still get lots of benefits from doing the more restorative or the yin-yang kind of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the population is at that same yeah. place. They're not necessarily trying to do this, okay, I'm going to wake up early every morning. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. there's a level of devotion to that. And, um, you know, there's all these different paths that yoga offers. You know? right. So that's just one. But I think some people think, oh, if I'm not a devotee, you know, and it's not a 24-7 thing, that I'm not going to be good at it. But um there's benefits from all sorts of just even the mild kind of yoga, you know, chair yoga for the older people yeah. and things like that. It it really helps, you know, your longevity over time. Is That's what we're looking for, you know, mm. is to feel good. So um, let's explore a little bit of the feng shui um, and space clearing. What are some little things that people can incorporate um, into their lives through this practice that might help them um, in their day-to-day life? Um, yeah, with the, um, with the feng shui, it's kind of like just the energy flow in your house with how things feel. Um, I know I, I, I generally with, um, space clearing, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm big on like smudging mm-hmm. and, um, you know, open the windows, go through, go through the whole house. That's also like a new moon, full moon thing yeah, at same. least. And including the closets and all that. And, um, 
and a lot of the uh, feng shui, I, I, I mean, th- that's one of those things. It's like, like I, I see it, and when it, like something I like naturally took to. I, I that's something I've uh, been involved with for a long time, and in some ways, it would have to do with arranging your house to be able to defend yourself as if it was a fort mm-hmm. or a primitive situation where you were at risk of attack, that kind of okay. thing. I mean, I guess that sort of comes from it. I, I, I mean, you can get into the directional thing, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it has to do with the, um, with the layout of the room. So for example, if, um, you want to face east, but east is looking out the wall and west right. is looking out the window. You look out the window. I mean, it's not like sit in the corner because the corner's in the lucky direction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and and I guess like traditionally a lot of that would have to do with um, natural heating. So you want the sun to come up and warm you. So you want to be facing the sun, kind of like how you would set your tent when you're camping or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, it's generally good. Um, you want like a water feature in the front. You want abundance flowing to you as opposed to flowing away. And it's correcting energy flow too. Cause uh, like we don't necessarily have, we have limited leeway as to what we can do like you buy the house or live in the house that you can afford to rent that's available a lot Mm -hmm. of times so maybe you're at the bottom of the hill coming towards your front door but everything else is right so you might put something to disrupt disperse the energy um an example is like a door and window or two doors in a straight line you'll have don't want that energy flowing through the house going straight through and not Mm -hmm dispersing and circulating so you might have a uh a feature to dispose disperse that like even in your house like a a good sized plant maybe a pleasantly tapestry or ceiling hanging kind of thing coming down to to disrupt that i i was thinking of an example of a friend who moved into a condo and her front door and back door were in a straight line and it was limited to what you can put up because that was the hallway from one room to right, another. So right. you, like you couldn't just modify the place. So I'm like, well, hang this here and get a plant for over there. And, right. you, you know, that sort of thing. So a lot of it's just a balance between the traditional. Traditionally, you would have the Bagua symbol superimposed on the house in a certain direction. But realistically your house might not be laid out like that so it's not like well you got to tear down this wall and build an addition over here and um so you work with what's there and it should feel like a good flow and Mm -hmm. that's one of those things like i was saying earlier that maybe i can kind of feel that energy that's i guess why people have me pointed out to them Mm because some people aren't really in tune to that but uh, so things should just flow smoothly and and in a functional, practical, and pleasantly appealing way. Right, right. Yeah, I haven't studied feng shui too much, but I love to decorate. And yeah. Sometimes I'll put something up and I sort of sit with it and I'm like, ah, it's beautiful, but it's 
it's not right. And I can't tell you why it's not right. Yeah. But I'm like, this is not the proper placement for this random item. <laughs> so I'm, I almost consider myself more of a maximalist, which probably isn't very feng shui, but it's organized in a way yeah. that it creates harmony and balance, you know, make sure that... Um, if I do it to this side, then something needs to be on this other oh, side. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, the energy here is very good. The room flows nicely. I love the decor, love the round rug. <laughs> That's kind of a whole taking the edges off kind of thing. Oh, okay. So, so that's even a thing like you kind of want to maybe round out the corners, mm. but not chop them off so you don't want that dead stagnated space right. for the energy to accumulate so maybe put a plant in the corner yeah 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 i i looked at somebody's house and they also had some the energy was kind of freaking them out and if you go outside their house there's definitely kind of like a whether you want to call it a vortex or a energy moving through there pretty intensely mm -hmm. and not bad or good, but some people take it like that. But they had stuff, but the room was just all, and an obvious uh, feng shui thing is clutter. Right. Well, like declutter, uh, whether it's good or bad, don't have unwanted things or stuff. Yeah. And they totally had that. There was like an unused, whatever it was, I forget, some kind of furniture thing that was clearly not usable, just shoved out of the way in the corner. Then they had the room kind of half chopped off the way the couch was left out. Then there was this giant bird cage in the corner. The bird had died like two years ago, but they left the cage there mm. and there was dead space behind it. So it was totally obvious to me. And I'm like, well, that's if you must have that cage there, at least turn it into like a terrarium or right, a decorative thing, not just where somebody died and you neglected <laughs> it. It's like, uh, 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 and I mean, I, I consider that to be like so simply obvious, right. but, um, so it, it, it's things like that. And then you got to be careful with like mirrors and TV right. screens. Um, I mean, I don't have any mirrors in my bedroom and, don't recommend TV there. Mm -hmm. um, or if you do cover it when you're not using it, mm -hmm. maybe a nice blanket. And I, and I mean, I do have lots of mirrors other places, especially like the one room where I always do Tai Chi. It's um, right. like I mean, my living room or what most people would have as a living room is just empty workout space with a trapeze in the middle of it. So, right. um, Cause it's opening up the room. I think yeah. It's reflecting, you know, so it can create space where there isn't space a lot of times. Yeah. The intention of it. And, um, but you, you do have to be careful with mirror placement. Mm -hmm. It can be well, like, I'll get that. If I stay in a hotel and maybe there's a mirror facing the bed, I'll just wake up cause of the mirror. It's yeah. like, uh, okay. And then go back to sleep. But it's, but so it, it, affects the energy it, i i can definitely see that because there's certain like airbnbs or hotels and i'm like yeah. i cannot relax in this space i had to go home the last time because i was like i cannot sleep here <laughs> and it was it was subtle but it was just like yeah. the energy was terrible and i was like i'm not gonna be able to relax yeah yeah <laughs> i i I've, I've been in a, a hotel and hung the blanket over the mirror just to <laughs> like for sleep reasons mm -hmm. or um so yeah, that's definitely a thing. And, um, you know, windows, the obvious cleanliness, clutter stuff. And, and that's the thing too, like, like the clutter in the closet, you don't see it, but you know, it's there. Right. And that's a thing. And, and I mean, 
I deal with that too. Like maybe, I don't know, a month ago, probably two months ago, I, I had to replace my water heater, which is in a little thing off the walk-in closet. Well, to do that, I had to take down a shelf unit on the wall. So I took everything out. Okay, now's the time to clean out the closet. Mm-hmm. But for months now, it's just all stacked along the bedroom wall because I want to go through it before I put it back. And so intention-wise, it's in progress. So it's not like neglect. Right. It's you know going on, it's even though I have to be moved to do it, have the time and sort everything out and, and all that but, um, but it's still in the back of your mind just knowing that it's there and like oh yeah it's right out in the open i mean <laughs> i wake up it's right there it's like a pile of all kinds of stuff but uh um but it's a work in progress so it's right. like psychologically or at least that's what i'm calling it and right. transmuting it and <laughs> perception is everything so you do kind of uh do kind of do that but but yeah it's that stagnated stuff and um um so the house is sort of a, an extension of your own energy field in a lot of ways right? yeah 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 that, that, that so is a thing cluttered, it might be reflecting an know, inner thing yeah, yeah yeah like like your shadow side that's just stuffed out of the way and not acknowledged almost right. or you could kind of call it that and it's funny because a lot of times thinking of a closet like as it starts getting cluttered you don't want to go through it you go through it you find all these like the christmas card from 10 years ago and the, yeah <laughs> you know the the thing from your past on relative that you you know and it is so in order to go through the clutter you end up going through a lot of the past yeah yeah dealing that with has stuff accumulated there and so it's so interesting how it ends up being like, okay, well, you know, I've made a lot of progress from this thing and, you know, maybe I don't need to keep that anymore because, yeah. you know, I don't want to keep thinking about that old thing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had a, a yoga teacher that said one time, if you want to change the world, start with going home and cleaning your closet. Yeah. Like, start yeah, yeah. there. Don't go out and try to tackle the whole planet and like changing the whole collection. No, go home, clean your clutter. Take care of yourself. Mm. And when your stuff is all organized and aligned, maybe take on the, the challenge yeah. of changing the planet. <laughs> yeah, that is the place to start, though. You start with yourself. Right. It, it's like, um, you know, do you wear shoes or cover the surface of the earth with leather? <laughs> like, like that right. kind of thing. But it's... Uh, um, but, or, or like we were saying, too, it, with the uh, furniture, that that's the thing with the stuff in the closet. It's like mm. stuff old pictures that you by no means want to hang up but you don't want to throw out either so mm-hmm. it's like like kind of hard to what to do with them or right yeah that that, that kind of thing but it's uh yeah that's definitely part of it and um and then the effects of color even like like, like i'll do um I, I teach various classes i i do like a monthly um introduction to tarot reading class and i i do uh uh well i've done it a couple of times i I call it color magic Mm. and it's working with colors and kind of as they're related to the chakras and then you got the crystals associated with that and but that does have to do with the color that you paint your room right or what you hang up maybe you rent maybe it's just a lot of work to paint a room so maybe Mm -hmm. it's easier to get new curtains and one of those and um but that that is a thing too the psychological effects of colors and how right, you the individual relates to them and 
Yeah, I picked, you know, blue for my bedroom because I'm thinking third eye, sleep, dream, you know, that's yeah. what I'm doing in that space. But downstairs, like in my kid's playroom, I chose yellow because I'm like, okay, this is really active and, you know, it's a sunny, playful thing. But I, as much as I love that, like I, I picked the gold couch to bring that color. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I don't know if I should paint the walls that because it might be too active. Yeah, too energized. so I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I'm trying to relax in the space. Like I right. can still do hints of gold, which I love. Yeah. I like gold, a little bit of gold in every room. But uh, the overall theme is blue because this is mostly going to be... To rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the tranquil thing, the clear expression. Um, blue inspires confidence and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in a business sense, a lot of companies will use blue in their logo or uniforms. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like related to that. Red can be a bit intense. It can be passionate and fiery. It, it's a thing with... Um, like if a bar has a lot of red, there might be a tendency for fights Fight, or something. Yeah. Whereas the Kung Fu school, a lot of the stuff is painted red to have that martial intense uh, attitude. Yeah, the Mars energy coming out. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, yeah. Like green's a very tranquil, relaxing color, very healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that's also a consideration with that, and, and that can even carry over into colors that you wear. Or, right. or things like that maybe certainly way with the aries thing i tend to wear a lot of red yeah uh you know a lot of aries energy and uh, i didn't realize i was wearing a lot of red until i was like going through my images the other day like on instagram because they're all together. i'm like i'm wearing red a lot <laughs> for someone that doesn't really think that i enjoy red as much because sometimes red's very intense i tend to use it the least in my paintings and yeah so the you know, it makes you think of blood sometimes. Yeah, but, right, um, right. Anyways, it's funny. I'm like, I there must be some unconscious aspect of me that's really, you know, wanting to wear red. Maybe it's like to be feel more protected when I'm out and about yeah. or, or something. But uh, and, and even with the uh, Mercury and Aries, right? Uh, the, that yeah. was you too, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, cause, you know, Aries, I'm just always thinking of myself. <laughs> right, I, yeah, I have learned that. to channel that into not being selfish. But, but I was saying like the red is expression your clothing Mm -hmm. is a form of self-expression so it's kind of like carries over to that right that's interesting yeah yeah i do notice that when the color i'm wearing can totally change like i went through a phase where i was wearing black all the time and i I like i like to wear black honestly for the most part yeah it's very neutral Mm -hmm. but every now and then i'm like if i'm trying to be like confident or you know like secure i might pick a different color because black's not necessarily it and like black is like i don't get seen i'm kind of like yeah it's like keeps me in that outcast vibe yeah there's no reflection it's almost like a camouflage on a thing it's like yeah and i feel like being saturn dominant with my chart i kind of tend to have that outcast role but sometimes i'm like maybe i shouldn't be like the hermit today you know Mm. maybe i need to shine today and so i'm gonna wear Maybe some yellow or yeah. something that's going to be more radiant. Right, like the Kundalini uh, thing, but white. Right, which yeah. I I don't wear a lot of white. Even no. when I was doing Kundalini, I would wear it for specific classes, um, and sometimes I would do the turban and and all of that. But um, I didn't. I don't know. I guess I don't necessarily want everyone to see my work field like that. Mm. You know, sometimes yeah. I'm like, maybe not everyone needs to see this part of me. <laughs> and it's just hard to keep clean. I mean, you it's wear white, so... you're going to instantly get it dirty. I, I, I am. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and speaking of the turban, I, I know in one of the recent episodes, you were discussing the whole thing with hats and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I totally get that. Like, I often wear a hat and like, you kind of get the uh, 
energetic containment like, that yes. comes with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I that that does totally resonate though. The uh, the need for that and the practicality of keeping the weather off, uh, whether it be shade or mm-hmm. anything unpleasant. But yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. Right, and in the wind, I, my acupuncturist at one point was like, "You need to cover, you know, so the wind." And I don't remember what issue I was dealing with, but that was one of her recommendations: is like wear a scarf around your head while we're healing this because huh, that yeah. wind is actually like you need to keep your energy in right now. Yeah, yeah, I guess that is a thing. I I didn't even think about that with. Um... I feel like there's so many connections to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that is all interrelated mm-hmm. um like with the um acupuncture I, I i've just recently experienced acupuncture a couple of times for the first time and i i know someone who's a practitioner and uh kind of just the stuff in the ears and mm-hmm. definitely helpful and do a lot of um self-applied acupressure kind of things yeah. i have red points i stimulate on a regular basis i'll sleep with this piece of quartz that kind of comes to a dull point and work the chakras and different energy points and meridians and mm. th- that's definitely a helpful uh little thing to throw in there and that goes with a lot of the Taoist healing like there's right. different healing sounds for the internal organs and corresponding acupressure points to stimulate right. while you're doing it Oh, I would love to do a whole episode on just the Chinese medicine stuff. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, oh, it's so, I, I don't, I'm, I have a hard time integrating it myself, but working with a professional, I'm like, this is amazing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why or how you know this, but like the benefits are just so wonderful that I would love to learn more. I mean, it's not, there's not a lot of places to learn about it in this area, but, um, I might have to get my acupuncturist on the show sometime. Yeah, that would probably would be really cool because, like you said, it's not something that's taught. Like, like even the acupressure stuff, I mainly know from reading or different right. videos or podcasts. I used to follow this guy. Um, he's recently passed away. Um, um, Stephen Russell, the barefoot doctor, mm. and he was from England and wrote these series of books and videos and all that on uh, – kind of like a modern presentation of traditional Taoist and Chinese medicine stuff. And he used to have like, like, like way back early days of the internet, kind of like a um, website with a chat room and mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of stuff. And, um, but I, I learned a lot of that just from his tutorials and books and things. And uh, uh, he just has like a nice, modern way of presenting it it's like we were saying with the I Ching, a lot of that stuff so like esoteric right. poetry or <laughs> or like if you read the old Taoist books it only deals is geared towards men so mm-hmm. it in no way like acknowledges women at all as far as like specifics right. of you know body parts and stuff but mm-hmm. uh, uh so yeah yeah there, there is a lot of that right right um are there any other topics you want to cover before we? Um, yeah, we've been pretty much all uh, all over the place, uh, <laughs> which is like like the way I am. Uh, so I, I, I'm good with that. Um, you know, like I was saying, I offer uh, uh, tarot and I Ching readings. Um, I practice Reiki, quantum energy healing. 
kind of like non-traditional Reiki, but it's conceptually like the same idea, that sort of thing. Um, I'm available for that. I, um, I, I uh, do work at the Sacred Owl and Salt Room in West Knoxville and Enchanted Blessings in Maryville. If, uh, I'm uh, always available through their uh, social media. So you mostly dabble like in person, not, you don't do the online too much? Or... No, not, not really. Um, I would, but someone else would basically have to set it up. It's not my right, right. forte. Uh, um, and through either of those uh, in, Enchanted Blessings or the Sacred Owl, I would do uh, Zoom or FaceTime readings. I, I If you contact me, we can do something through FaceTime if someone wants to do that. I'm on okay. Facebook as uh, Gary Coppola or as uh, Spearman's Mystic Chemistry. So um, I'm, I'm certainly up for that. It's just um, something I haven't pursued heavily. Okay. Awesome. And that's just a lack of technical finesse on my part. Right. Well, you know, I think there's people in that that focus mostly on that. And then there's some people that do the in-person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's very popular and cool and lucrative and all that. And I'm not averse to it. It's just I'm not. There's not a need right now for it. Yeah, I generally don't have the patience to set it up or the, the technical thing or i get frustrated easily with that and Mm -hmm. it becomes a source of stress so i just don't don't do it right all right well definitely uh check him out if you're in knoxville book a session or have a reading with him uh thank you so much for doing this episode with me it's been so nice chatting and getting to know you yeah thank you for having me i'm uh um just welcome the opportunity and glad to come out this is a thoroughly enjoyable experience Oh, I, I also offer um, yoga classes. Oh, okay. um, I, I, I do a weekly class on Tuesday evenings at Enchanted Blessings and typically ask for $10 and people in recovery, whatever you can afford, including nothing is fine if you show up. No one's going to get turned away. And probably after the holiday season, we'll start doing that at the Sacred Owl too. It's just nobody exercises this time of year and everybody does in January. So right. it's funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. This all has right. been great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for tuning in. Check us out next time on the Astro Hour.